So, Rella, what do you think um, about the pitching today? You, do you think that pitching today is better than when we played? Not just velocity, but overall pitching. Um, I think that, look, anytime a guy has velocity, his secondary pitches go up, right? I remember playing with Jim Abbott, right? And we got him in Milwaukee, and he wasn't the same guy. I mean, he was probably 91 with the cutter, but when we got him, he was probably like 87 with the cutter, you know? So all his other pitches, secondary pitches are not going to be as good, right? So um, I would say the quality of the pitches is probably better. I would say the quality of the, the command and feel is much worse because these guys are, look, they know all they have to do is go four or five innings. And that's a quality start. So I'm just going to, you know, throw it against the wall as hard as I can and spin it as hard as I can. And, you know, I'm looking for no contact. Where in, in years past, right, is like I'm trying to pitch to contact so I can go deeper into a game. I just don't think these guys, that's not the way they're they're built anymore. Yeah, it's, it's give me all you got as long as you can. And, you know, we'll bring in the next guy. And it used to be the pitchers would – pace themselves a little bit so they could get to the sixth and seventh and eighth inning occasionally. Um, you just never see guys going nine innings anymore. And, you know, I saw last night, the guy was dominating last night. And after six innings, I looked how many pitches he had with a no hitter. And I said, 97. I was like, they're taking him out of the game. There's no way he's going to be able to go 130, 140 pitches. Like we used to see guys do all the time back in the day. Right, there's no way that Kurt Schilling or Max Scherzer or Clayton Kurt would would be like, I got a no hitter in the World Series. Yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm going, I'm going. Which is interesting because the night before, you you saw it and you're like, whoa, God, McCullers had good stuff, and you're like, but your eyes are telling you that that your stuff is not good tonight for these guys. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever they're doing, they've got a pretty good feel for you, and when you're giving up homers. It's not like you're getting chinked to death, right? Mm -hmm. So, but Dusty kept rolling him out there and I was kind of surprised, right? There was almost like, okay, we're going to just kind of let him, you know, take the grenade here and save our bullpen for the World Series game. That's the way I felt about it. Yeah, we're going to mail this one in. And I, I was kind of surprised too. It, it was funny that uh, I posted something that he, uh, on Twitter that he, McCullers said about the iPad said he was doing good. And uh, one of our old teammates, Mike Dijon, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, I knew I knew I wasn't doing I knew I, it wasn't a good pitch when the umpire threw me another ball. <laughs> Funny. Quick. That's quick. <laughs> that was quick. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, maybe that wasn't a good pitch. And, you know, a lot of times guys would make bastard pitches and we'd somehow get a barrel on it and chink one in there. And sometimes they throw it right down the middle and we'd roll it over to shortstop. Right. I just, the progression of the game. And when you have, when you're on a roll, you know, you're going to like of a pitcher, you know, you'll get away with, with stuff for whatever reason, your stuff was good or it's just your day. And then other times you'll throw a great pitch and, and you got to tip your cap, which they don't do very often. Although they did the Helton when he was hitting 400. So, so many pitchers tipping their hat to him. Like, Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> We were all looking at it going, yeah, we don't understand how he does it either. But we, uh, you know, I hear all the time is uh, the, the hitting gurus say, well, just copy the greats. Just do what they did. It's like, 
yeah, I could have tried to hit like Todd Helton or Nomar or Mo Vaughn, but I don't have the skills that he has. I don't have the strength. I don't have the hand-eye coordination. I don't have the quickness. So I, just trying to copy the way a great hitter does hits, it's not going to work for me. I got to find out what works for Jeff Rock. Yeah. Going off of that Q-tip right there, um, I remember when we were in AAA and Ron Papa Jack, great guy, Ron Jackson, was our hitting coach. And I swear, whoever had a good night on TV the night before, he was teaching that the next day to some of the hitters that might have been struggling, you know, and unfolding when I went to Seattle and, you know, going from Colorado to Seattle and I really started plummeting and we had a hitting coach, Gerald Perry was his name. And he's like, you know, man, you know, I'm watching Sosa and I'm like, oh my gosh, but I fell into it. Right. And so now I've got like this toe tap thing. So what worked for me, you know, what worked for like Sammy Sosa, or, I mean, you wouldn't teach that toe tap where he brings his feet all the way back and then all the way back out again. Right. You know, you're creating a false move. Um, but it really hurt me. And then it was really hard for me to get out of that toe tap, you know? So to your point, you know, everyone's got their swing and everyone's got a move that's made them successful, you know? And so I don't think you can just cookie cut it and just one swing for all. Yeah. I mean, obviously if I could hit 372 with 35 homers and 60 doubles like Todd Helton by just copying it, I would have done it. Not stupid. Right. I mean, even Nomar, like he was spread out and kind of did this thing and like Moises Alou, right? How did that guy hit like he did? How did Paul Molitor hit with no load? You know, so I think that I think that you and I kind of have a, I mean, your swing was different than mine, right? You had a big kind of leg kick, you coiled up, but you had hands. And that's the thing I look at today, like the hitters that I see that I really like, like I like Ty France, you know, I like guys that have hand movement, you know, and um you know, I think that hands and, and your load work together, you know, and today's guys, a lot of them teaching, even in the minor leagues and the major leagues, you know, they want that reverse C and they said, you know, we want you to just, you know, hip stride open, you know, and engage, engage and time it up with your lower half where I was kind of more of upper half with my hands. Yeah. And I would, with a leg kick, I'm geared toward the fastball. So I would always be out front a little bit of off speed. But as long as I could keep my hands back, I still had a chance. And that's just the style of hitter I was. I had to try and create more leverage with a leg kick because I wasn't big and strong. I, mean, I was 5'9", 160 pounds during my career. I just didn't have a lot of strength and leverage. So I had to sell out for the fastball. But I was able, because I had good hands, you know, to adjust to the off speed and still hit it hard. And we were taught. We were taught. Hard up the middle, hit the ball where it's pitched, but also it was it was line drive down, and when you hit a home run, it was just you just caught one out in front, right? You know, yeah. you almost miss hit it, but you hit it perfectly, and it went out of the ballpark, right? Yeah. It was so amazing. we were line drive down. That was thing, and I remember Jim Lefevre, hitting coach, would would bring the stats, right? Of you know what you're hitting on line drives, what you're hitting on ground balls, and what you're hitting on fly balls, and you know what one what was the lowest batting average? Fly balls. Yep. Yep. And now everybody's hitting them. Well, let's talk about uh, your scouting, uh, your days as a scout. You've been, I think you did a couple of years of scouting uh, originally as a part-time scout with the Brewers. And then you were hired by the Angels um, 2012, I believe it was. And uh, for some ridiculous reason, uh, your contract was terminated this year. What's, what's up with that? I mean, you're one of the, one of the and I'm not just saying this because we're friends. 
Right. I was actually talking to Mike McCann a couple of days ago about you. Now he was set at a ballpark with you and was amazed by the things that you could see that nobody else could. So why in the world would the angels not want to keep you as a scout? Well, I think that there's become, there's just a changing of the guard. And I mean, we know that, that a lot of good baseball people are having a hard time like being scouts or getting on the field anymore. Um, because, you know, I think that, you know, look in our day, I, Doug Melvin was my GM. I think he might've been your GM in Texas as well. I'm not he sure. Was. Not. He was. But these are all guys that, you know, played baseball, right? And, you know, knew what it was like to be baseball, wanted to be around baseball. And I think it's good. You know, someone made a good point about uh, analytics, you know, and analytic, you know, folks. It's like, look, when you have a headache, you know, three Tylenol are good to have around, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have, but if you have 10, if you put 10 down your throat, it's probably not going to work too good, right? So, you know, I think that, Having three analytics is good. Having 10 will kill you. And I think that in today's game, you know, just with the GMs being what they are and the scouting directors being what they are, they want people that they can kind of control a little bit more. So um, it was a good run with the Angels. I mean, shoot, I mean, I didn't I didn't do as I didn't scout a major league game until late September, you know, because they feel that whether it be baseball savant or reference or track man data that they have or video that they have that they can just, you know, survive on that. And amateur scouting has changed so much. I'm at, I went uh, up to Oklahoma to do a little hunting this past weekend and was there with Skip Johnson, the head coach of OU, and um, Britt Bonneau, one of his assistant coaches, and he was telling me um, some, how they get their information for the other teams. I was like, how do you guys scout? How do you guys shift on a team you haven't played before? He goes, oh, we have all the information. There's some website, or I don't really understand it, but they can see all the at-bats from like every player in college baseball so they know when they play them how to play them. I'm like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah, we, we, we have the same. You know, it's like true media or yeah. you know, synergy or things like that. Or like you said, right, they can they can do it and they can grab the information. And, and look, I mean – analytics is good and you know and having that eye in the sky i mean you see in a baseball game frito where that left fielder like you will hit a fastball like a sinker running in on your hands and you will you will beat him to the spot and take your hands inside and just drill one to the left center field gap up in the air and the left fielder is there right so they're not playing him in left field anymore they're playing him to that gap in left field so I don't know. It's a crazy thing. I, I think the shift, I know you have your, your opinion on the shift and things like that, but you know, I, for me, I think that baseball and a lot of games, it's, it's a boring game, you know, when it's just, and there's no hit and run. I think that at least you can maybe put the hit and run back in play now. Right. You know, well, there's no strategy to this game and, and not having, being able to shift hopefully will allow, look, I mean, when you were struggling, right. You know what was the greatest thing was when the coach would put a hit and run on, right? So because then it kind of takes the bat off of you, yeah. right? And then it shortens your swing, and you're just you're just tracking the ball, you're just finding the ball. You know, you're not thinking about your mechanics, you're not thinking of anything, but just putting the ball in play on the ground. Yeah, and you know you're swinging on this pitch, and no matter where it's at, um, you're going to try and put it in play, and putting it in play, and even if it resulted in an out, move the runner, you felt something positive. 
and a lot of times you might get a hit just because you shortened your swing and, and you just became like your natural swing came out. You weren't, you know, brain cramped or paralyzed with, you know, I got to get a hit here. Yeah. My hands are so slow right now. I got to cheat to get to this pitch <laughs> when the bat feels heavy in August and September. And you're like, oh, it's bad. Whatever it is. Yeah. What, whatever, whatever the mindset is. So the shift and the things like that, I, I, I hope that that will, but I, I, I got to tell you, um, you think the velocity is going to go down? It's not. It's going to go up. So, you know, let's just fast forward three, four years. You're going to have an army of guys coming out of the pen, especially the the teams that have a lot more money. You know, they're going to have an army of guys throwing 100, 101 miles an hour. And you know as well as I do, when it got in that 96, 97 range, Frito, it wasn't really in a bat anymore, right? It was Crash Davis, quick bat, got to get the barrel to the ball, loose hands, short load, you know beat the guy to this pitch, right? You're not working the at-bat anymore. No, 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 no. It was – those guys – I agree that once you got past like 96, 97, 98, like I was facing Billy Koch and Matt Anderson, some of those guys, I mean, the ball was on you. You didn't have much time to react. You're just trying to be as short and quick. But I, for whatever reason, I did better against those guys than the guys throwing – 88 mile an hour bowling ball sinkers and sliders. Right. Well, I, I just think that if you face an army of them though, and, and you see it, like when you go to a minor league game, even the, even the big league game, you know, they'll put that track hit track thing on there and, and not hit tracks, but you know, that speed machine. Right. And they will be pumping from 45 feet away and they're trying to simulate 95, you know, in the minor leagues, which is, which is actually fun to watch because you can learn a lot about players like, hand speed right Uh and you know but you get to a threshold where it becomes a lot harder you know and so i mean give credit to aaron judge i'm right right he is a freak and you know and everyone's going to try and get that next aaron judge but you know i think that you know like dave winfield i mean there's a reason why i think that there's only about three or four hitters in the hall of fame that are like over six five yeah. You know, and I think that uh, Dave Winfield is definitely one of them, and Aaron Judge is certainly on his way. Yeah, and he uh, – I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Aaron Judge fan too. I'm just not a, obviously a fan of his uh, hitting guru um, because he is, you know, trying to tie Aaron Judge to his success to him. Like Aaron Judge was already a big leaguer when he started working with this guy, and Aaron Judge was a first-rounder and a three-sport star in high school and he had a rough September like most guys do when they first get called up. So Aaron judge, I'm pretty sure was going to figure it out one way or another um, before he hooked up with the uh, little Richie. Yeah. There's a sticker shock, right? I mean, I remember going three for my first 27 in the major leagues, you know, thinking like, man, you know, so it's not like they were throwing any different pitch that you saw in the minor leagues. There's no special pitch, right? It's okay. just, the game's going to slow down and, you know, you're facing Roger Clemens and you just eventually, you know, that sticker shop wears off and that's what happened with Aaron judge. And then the, the talent played. So, but you know, you talk about like Kingery, right? That's a great example of a guy. I loved him. I saw him in the futures game. I'm like, this guy's a ball player. Right. Uh-huh. And you know, then he changed his swing and, you know, once you start changing that swing and you lose that move and you kind of hardwire this move, Sometimes it's hard to get it back. Yeah, and he's never been able to to go back. And that's the thing with these swing changes. And 
I say this all the time, Rillo, and I, I don't know if, if uh, what happened during your career, but so I played 15 years total. Um, not one hitting coach I ever had, and I had some good ones. I had Rudy Hadamio, I had Clint Hurdle, I had uh, Jim Rice, I had Cito Gaston. Not one of them ever mentioned anything about my swing in 15 years. Right. Anybody mention it to you? No, no one ever mentioned my swing until I got to Seattle and and then I got kind of put in a toe tap and shoot, by the end when I was in Seattle, I was trying to hit like Ichiro, <laughs> you know, uh, looking for quick fixes, you know, and I, I just don't think, especially at the major leagues, like if I was a major league hitting coach, you know, it's like, all right, first day spring training, you know, and I get with Jeff Fry. I'm like, hey, Frito, when you're going good, what are you, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, what's your drills? Right. Because, you know, spring training, that first week of spring training is great. Right. You're outside. You know, for me, I was hitting indoors all the time. You know, there's no pressure. That first week of spring training is fantastic. Right. You know, and it's just everything's fresh and in spring and I'm going to have a great year and I feel healthy. And so I would get with you in the cage, you know, we'd start working and I'd have my little book out. I'm like, Freedom Man, when you're going good. What are you, what are you thinking about? What are you feeling? And like, and then put some balls on a tee, but I have my little book with me and I'm writing it down and be like, okay, when things aren't going good, you know, what helps you get out of it? Or what, what, what do you, what do you think happens when, when maybe you're a little bit out of sync? Be like, okay. And how do you do that? And then I'd write that down in a book, right? Instead of having like these whole changes, like, well, I think you should start doing a toe tap, you know, in the middle of the season and be like, oh, that works good in the cage. And then you start implementing in the game and you're like, whoa, that's not going to work. And then you try and go back and like for Kingery, he hasn't been able to find it, get that swing back, you know, so. Completely lost it, completely lost it. And for me, when I was going good, I wasn't thinking hardly at all. I'm like, I'm just seeing the fastball and I'm firing the barrel um, and trying to hit down and through the ball, line drives, and trying to keep my balance and, you know, timing, um, you know, rhythm and balance. And that was it. But when yeah. I'm scuffling, I'm thinking everything. Oh, man, I'm doing this. I'm, my hands are here. My hands are, you know, I need to maybe put my hands a little higher. Or I'm dropping my hands on when the pitch is on the way. And just you overthink stuff. And I think that's what happens a lot. Yeah. You never see a, you never, I always say that you never see a, a, a struggling hitter ever throw his bat. <laughs> oh. Right. Cause it's in that, I got to mow those hands get tight. That, that upper, the chest area gets tight, you know, and you're in that, I got, I got, I got to, instead of, I remember Nephi Prez, it was great. Right. When he faced Randy Johnson, he'd grab his crotch. He's like, I kill, I kill the lefties. I kill the lefties, <laughs> you know? And I was like, you know, that's really good. And so later in my career, I'd kind of, you know, you get in the box, you do a thing, you kind of, you know, plant your foothold and I tap the inner part and then the outer part, you know, you got coverage and the inner part. And I took, and I actually put this um, letter on, I'm like, and then my taps, I'm like, I am great. Let's go. You know, <laughs> that's a mentality, right? Yeah. You know, so it's an empowering thing. And, and so I think that just with hitters today, like you said, you know, there's no quick, quick fix and, and there's no, you know, one, one size fits all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, this has been a, a pleasure, Rillo, and I'm glad it took us a while to hook up. Um, but, uh, and who knows, man, I, one of these days I might have to come out there and play with you guys. Um, probably have to have a lot of ice bags. 
Um, oh man, you'd have a blast. We got a VRBO. I got all my old SC buddies there with me. Like Damon Buford came out this year, pulled his calf in the first game. So Buf is my. I played with Buf in Texas and Boston, and we couldn't wait for a rain delay because me and Buf would sprint to the weight room to play cribbage for twenty bucks a point. Love. Oh, it. I love it. That's freaking great, man. And he showed up, and he's like, "Next year, Jeff." He goes, "I'll I'll be in better shape for this." So. uh it's pretty fun, you know, that over 50 men's World Series of baseball, and uh, and we had a great time. So I hope that you can make it. I know your schedule, you know, you're becoming this this superstar, you know, influencer. Yeah, so. I don't I'm just trying to I'm just trying to educate people that uh, not everybody can hit fly balls and homers. I know I couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there, there's changing and we need to see something. But, you know, the velocity of the game, man, is just it's hard. I, you can train for it, but it doesn't matter. I, I just I don't know. I would hate to see them pull a softball move and move the mound back. Yeah, we don't need any more rule changes. Um, and. Oh, I hate I hate that you can't go get the second baseman. And I played second base and you're like, you know, that's that's a part of the game that's lost right you know when Devon White was on first base he's like man this guy's coming to get me on a double play or Molitor or Kurt Gibson and that was you know that was a requirement as a middle infielder when we played was you had to be tough you had to hang in there on the double play and it was almost like a badge of honor that you hung in there long enough to get throw off and you took the hit and all your teammates appreciated that. Yeah, and then when you got drilled, you know, especially if a guy's throwing 95 miles, well, the average fastball is 93.5 from the right side, you get hit in the back, you know, you know as well as I do that when I played second base, I'm like, this guy's coming to get me. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He's coming, and I'm going to have to drop down. And, Whatever. And and put it right between his eyes. And, and I, I learned that right away, man. I first came in the big leagues. I took out Bayerga and Mark Witten slid one foot from the base and Albert Bell slid, didn't slide. He ran straight through the base. I was like, uh-oh, I better get ready. These boys are on it. And you could hear them coming. It's like a freight train coming. Yeah, they want a piece of you, right? I, I wish that that part of the game, that, that just, like, remember, I mean, in, in Utley's slide in the playoffs that one year, and I don't know why that, that shortstop pirouetted the wrong way and turned his back to the runner. Like, you know as well as I was like, I'm not turning my back to any runner. No. Sorry. You know, and so was it a little bit of a hard slide? Yeah. I mean, the the optics weren't great, but at the same time, he probably wasn't expecting the shortstop to pirouette, turn his back to him either. No, and his job as the runner on first is to take, not allow that guy to complete the double play, not be dirty, but take him out as hard as you possibly can, get him on the ground where he can't make a strong throw and complete the double play. And that was his job and he did it. Whatever, just nick you. Just know that there's a presence, right? Just even if you get the throw off and I just, and I, and it doesn't feel good. Like when I, if I, if I clip the shortstop coming through and I hit him with the, my, um, my foot, right. It doesn't feel good hitting that guy's shin either. Oh, right. But at least it's letting him know that, you know, it's like a quarterback, right. You want kind of want to get under their feet, you know, and eventually maybe he might throw one away or whatever. That part of the game. I, I, I hate that that's not part of the game anymore. Hate it. I do too. I do too. And, you know, I'm doing infield camp in, in a week and a half in Arlington with the governor, Jerry Brown. And you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to teach them to do the double plays because I was always taught to do the double plays where I had to get out of the way. And I have what Perry Hill taught me was, 
you know, how to get two or three feet away from the bag and make it look like I was still on the bag and complete the double play. So I might have to do a little bit of adjusting teaching these kids now, knowing that these guys aren't trying to take them out. Well, I don't know. I mean, from a safety standpoint, I think you should still teach them a little bit because you don't can't bank on the guy not, you know, taking out your knee either. Right, right. I never liked this just staying at the back of the base. I didn't have a strong enough arm to just step back and throw. I had to go across and get as much momentum and push off to get a stronger throw. I didn't have a, an arm, a third base arm like you did. Yeah, well, you weren't born with that. You weren't born with a great papa shot either, so don't worry about it. I think I could take you now. I know I could whoop you in cornhole. Yeah, you could, but hey, but when the money was on the line, there was Sorello getting the $50 each day. At David Buster's. <laughs> no, it wasn't David Buster's. It was at the uh, at the winter meetings. Oh. I don't remember those winter meetings, man. There was too much beer being drunk, those winter meetings. But, but I know you whooped me. I, I confess. I admit it. You beat me. You're better than me at Papa Shot. But I'll get you on the cornhole on these days. Yeah, you probably will. So, <laughs> All right, Rillo. Well, I appreciate it. We had a little technical difficulties for a minute there, but thank goodness we have Dave D'Agostino, the best producer in the business. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we're going to have to get together one of these days and play some golf or have a cold beverage, adult beverage, and uh, tell some stories. But uh, I'm glad you're doing well. Um, hopefully uh, some organization out there smart enough to realize that Jeff Cirillo brings a lot to the table and uh, you'll find your, yourself working for somebody else in the near future. Thanks, Frito. Look forward to it, man. Always fun catching up. Yes, sir. All right. Well, there's been, uh, this is Jeff Fry signing off from the Shigon podcast. My special guest today was Jeff Cirillo, um, great player and an all-around great guy and, and one of my favorite teammates I ever had. So thanks a lot, Jeff. Shigon! Thanks. <laughs>